0: Good morning. It's a a blessing to see all you here this morning, this uh, Easter Sunday, as we celebrate the risen Christ. So uh, before we jump into the message, I always like to start with prayer because I want God to be with us and working among us. So let us pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the risen Christ. God, I pray that you would speak through me, proclaim Christ through me, prepare hearts to receive the word. Lord, we thank you this morning for Jesus is alive. It's in Christ's name. Amen. So I look around and I see a lot of you are sipping some coffee this morning. It's uh, been a daily ritual for me for over 15 years. Each morning I wake up in need of a a cup of coffee, sometimes caffeinated, lately decaffeinated because I don't need the extra adrenaline and anxiety. Um, But normally I get up, I fix my cup of coffee and I sip on it, but sometimes things come up. And uh, Friday was an example. Kim went with the girls on a field trip. I had Sophia by myself. So she had this list on the fridge, make sure you do all of these things before you take her to Gigi's, otherwise she won't have everything she needs. So I fixed my cup of coffee, set it on the counter, make sure I get the list for Gigi's right, and then we head out the door. I get her down off the porch because she can't get down by herself, And then she looks up and says, Daddy, Daddy, your coffee. I had forgotten my cup of coffee on the counter that I fixed for myself on Friday morning. And you would think, like, if I've done this for 15, 20 years, it's my habit. I went through the process of fixing the cup of coffee that I wouldn't forget it. But sure enough, my little two-year-old coffee alarm saved me from missing my cup of coffee. And that reminds me of what Paul is going to show us here in this passage. Just as I'm forgetful about something as important and as normal as my cup of coffee, we as Christians, we as people of God can be forgetful spiritually. We can be forgetful of the gospel and we see this forgetfulness all throughout biblical history. Israel was so forgetful that, he, that God rescues them from Egypt. But Moses has to say in Deuteronomy, beware lest you forget what God has done. He sets up these feast days, these celebrations, so they never forget. And yet they forgot so quickly that they were worshiping a golden calf. We are forgetful people. We lose sight of the gospel. And so this morning, we need a fresh reminder of the gospel. We don't just need to restate the facts, however. We need a taste of the sweetness of the gospel. And that's what I hope to offer you this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1-11. through We need a fresh taste of the sweet truths of the gospel. Now, as we come to this passage, there's a a controversy in the Corinthian church. Some believers are saying there's no bodily resurrection. We won't be raised from the dead. Nobody will be raised from the dead. And Paul is here to say if there's no resurrection, we don't even have the gospel message that made us the people of God. If you have no resurrection, you aren't even a church. And yet Paul is going to give them this reminder. So the first thing we see in verses 1 through 2 this morning is that we need to remember the gospel in which we stand. Remember the gospel in which you stand. Paul says, now I remind you, brothers, brothers and sisters, I remind you, believers, of the gospel I preached to you. And what Paul is saying here is he's saying, remember the gospel that I gospeled to you. Remember the good news that I evangelized to you. I am giving this to you again afresh. I am reminding you of this gospel that I preached. And notice the Corinthian church's response to the gospel message. He says, which you Received. So this isn't a new message. This isn't a foreign message. This is the message that the Corinthians received in order to become a church. This is the gospel that they believed already. And then he says, in which you stand. And when you think of that word stand, Paul uses it in our fight with Satan to stand firm, to keep our feet on the ground. I remind you of the message you believed that is also helping you keep your feet on the ground, your foundation. And then he says, also, by which you are being saved. The gospel message that they believed and received was also a gospel message that was saving them from the power, rescuing them from the power of sin. They were becoming more and more holy. You see, throughout the New Testament, we have past tense salvation. That's the justification. That's being made right with God. It's the righteousness of God we spoke of and sung about. Then there's the present salvation. We are presently being made more Christ-like, more holy, and fighting sin and death within us. And then there's future salvation when Christ returns and we are given glorified, perfect bodies to never struggle, to never sin again, to be with God forever. And so Paul is saying the gospel message that you received and believe, the gospel message you're standing in, that gospel message is what I want to remind you of this morning. And then notice the if. He says, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you. Us grace people don't like the word if. It sounds too, too difficult. Does that mean I have to do something? Does that mean that I could lose it? And that's not what Paul's saying. What Paul is saying is the people who deny the faith had some sort of belief that wasn't real belief. It was in vain. Jesus told some of the people in his ministry, you believe, but it's not the right kind of belief. And what Paul is saying here is if somehow your gospel loses the resurrection, you have believed in vain. And I want to ask you this morning, where are you rooted? Where and by what are you standing? Are you doing well right now? Are you having your devotionals? You showed up on Easter Sunday. You've been a good parent for a while. You've been doing the right stuff. Whose strength are you doing that in? Whose power is enabling you to do well right now? And then I want to ask you, are you struggling? A lot of us are struggling. I had a rough week this week. If you're struggling, whose power are you leaning on? When Satan tempts you with doubt and unbelief and despair and anxiety and depression and fear, whose strength do you lean on? What gospel are you preaching to yourself? Are you preaching a do better, try harder, or are you preaching Christ is my hope? And I want to ask you that because I want to remind you to remember the gospel that you received. Remember the gospel that you once believed. And if you haven't believed the gospel yet, I'm about to share it with you. I'm about to preach the gospel that can be your strength, whether you're doing well or whether you're struggling. So Paul then tells us in verses, uh, verses 3 through 8, he, he helps us revisit the facts of the gospel. So we're going to revisit the facts of the gospel together because this is history. This is not mythology. It's mysterious. It's hard to grasp. It's hard to fathom. But this is history. And let's read what Paul says. He says, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. So the first thing we see from Paul is he delivered a message that he received. Paul received a message from God through divine revelation. Galatians chapter 2, 1 through 5 tells us. When Paul met Jesus on the Damascus road, Jesus changed him through the gospel. But then he went away and he got with God and God gave him a message. And he says, I'm preaching this to you of first importance. The book of Corinthians talks about spiritual gifts. It talks about church discipline. It talks about a whole host of other issues. But Paul says, what I gave you that was of first importance, of chief importance, is the gospel. The simple, plain truth of the gospel. And this morning, I don't have a fancy Easter message for you. I don't have anything special for you. But what I do have is the plain old gospel. The gospel that is received as a first importance. And look what Paul says. He says that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with scriptures. So what we see is that Paul's message was given by God, but it was also in accordance with the scriptures. Now, as 2020 people, 2022 people, I'm sorry, I'm two years in the past, um, we are people with the full Bible. We've had it for quite a while, but when Paul is teaching, when he says in accordance with the Scriptures, he's not talking about in accordance with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He's talking about, I'm preaching to you, Jesus, from the Old Testament. How deep and how powerful is that? We can find Jesus from Genesis to Revelation. We don't just have to open to the red letters to find Jesus. We read it this morning to open our service, Isaiah 53. Jesus' death was in the Old Testament. Isaiah 53, 6, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Our sin was laid upon Jesus. That's Isaiah 53. That's Old Testament. 53.10, it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. Jesus' death was shown to us in the Old Testament. It was prophesied from the early days of God's people. But what about his resurrection? We don't seem to see that, do we? But Psalm 16, David says, you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. And in the book of Acts, Peter preaches this same sermon. He says, David foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his flesh see corruption. That is, in a nutshell, the simple gospel And I want to ask you, do you believe the gospel? Do you believe that your sin against God needs a payment made on your behalf? Do you believe that God sent his son to bear the iniquity of us all on his shoulders? Do you believe that on that good Friday morning, Jesus carried your sins on his back on the cross? Do you believe that Jesus was raised up and hung up for us? that he died for us as an innocent, righteous man? Do you believe that he was in the grave that Friday evening, that Saturday, and that Saturday night, and that he rose up from the grave on Sunday morning? Do you believe this gospel message? This is the message that will change your entire eternity. Do you believe this gospel? And if you don't, God is calling you to believe this gospel message. It is the only message that can rescue you from your mess. It's the only message that can rescue you from your success. It's the only message that can rescue you from your love of money, from your love of status. Whatever sin, whatever thing you are clinging to for your identity and your hope, the gospel can free you from that thing and give you true eternal life. Will you believe this message? And you may be thinking, this guy's all excited, but What is this resurrection stuff? Is it even real? The resurrection is historical fact. In a a day and age of altered videos and fake news and Photoshop, we still have eyewitness events. If 500 people see something happen and we all go to the courts and testify that this thing happened, that's a lot of evidence to get the crime convicted. And what Paul says here, look look with me starting in verse 5. He appeared to Cephas, that's one, then to the twelve, that's twelve, then to more than five hundred brothers, notice five hundred brothers at one time, so five hundred believers Jesus showed up to, but get this, most of whom are still alive, though some had fallen asleep. So when Paul was writing to the Corinthians, he said Jesus appeared to five hundred people and you could go ask most of them if they actually saw him, to see if this is actually made up or not. So you got 500 people here. Then he appeared to James, which most people believe is Jesus' brother. Then to all the apostles, so other people who had met the risen Christ. And, And then he says something very interesting. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. So for Paul, it's not just they saw him. I saw him. And that phrase, untimely born, it, it's language of, uh, of a stillborn child. Paul is saying that, that kind of like a stillborn child, born at the wrong time, born a little too early, I, I was born, but yet I got to meet Christ. And, and as I'm reading the commentaries and I'm st- studying this, it, it seems that what Paul is doing is using a little bit of wordplay. It's almost like I was born dead, but he brought me back to life. The risen Christ found dead, little old me, stillborn, and brought me back to life. But but what I mean, what I'm getting at here is it's historical fact. Don't let people convince you that the resurrection is something made up. There are all kinds of theories of how it didn't happen, how it's made up, but the word of God says it's fact. Don't accept any other answers. And since we're here uh, to celebrate the resurrection this morning, let's read uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 through 19. Because I want to show you what would happen if we didn't have a resurrection. Paul says, if Christ is proclaimed as risen from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there is no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and our faith is in vain. If Jesus, if there's no resurrection, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, he's not raised. And our faith and all of this that we're doing is in vain. It's a waste. My preaching is in vain. Don't waste your time paying attention. Your faith is in vain. Give it up. He says, we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised if if Jesus didn't rise from the dead we're all blasphemers we're all liars and if Christ has not been raised your faith is futile and you are still in your sins no resurrection no forgiveness of sins find another way find another religion do better then those Then also, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are people most to be pitied. If Jesus has not risen from the dead, the world should feel sorry for us because we have wasted our lives. Let that sink in for a second. Now let's read verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. We celebrate this morning because, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Can you get excited with me this morning that Jesus is risen from the dead? Jesus is alive, and we are here to celebrate the risen Christ. Without the resurrection, we lose everything. But because Jesus is risen, because we believe in Christ, we have everything. This morning. If you came in here unsaved, I pray that God stirs your soul up to believe this message. If you came in here as a believer, downcast and downtrodden by life, broken down by everything that's going on around you, Jesus is risen. This is a moment to celebrate and at least be excited. We worship the risen Christ this morning. Let's just celebrate that. Let's sit in that as we finish the sermon and as we sing together, church. And as we finish up our passage this morning, let's resist the things that distract us from celebrating the risen Christ and the gospel. Let's resist it. Look with me at verse 9. Paul says, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. He says, I'm the least of the apostles. And when we read the, the context of 1 Corinthians, we see that there were some naysayers doubting Paul. We see that some liked Apollos better and some liked the Big 12 better and Paul was a Christian killer. How can we really trust him? But we need to resist uh, dividing ourselves and picking favorites because what we see here is that God used the least of the apostles to get us excited this morning. If you get saved during this service, God used the least of the apostles to preach the gospel that changed your soul. More importantly than that, If God can use the least of the apostles in the great way he used Paul, he can use any one of us. There is not a second-class citizen in the church of God. If you are the least of us, if you don't have the education, if you don't have the credentials, if you don't have the status and the clout and the power and the money, God didn't need it anyways. God met the least of the apostles. Jesus came to him in person, said, you have a mission. And he sent Paul on the mission, the least of the apostles, and he's reminding us that God can save us and use us. What else do we need to resist? We need to resist the shame and the guilt that burdens us to make us think we're not worthy to be on mission for God. Paul says, I'm the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Some of you in here don't struggle with the pride of thinking you're too good or too big or that you've got too much talent. Some of you wrestle with the self-pity of your past. You messed up big time in your former life. How could God use you? Some of you are living in sin this very moment. How could God change you and use you? But Paul was a Christian killer. Paul was coming in places like this and having us drug out and killed. And God met him. The risen Christ, the resurrected Jesus said, Paul, why do you persecute me? And then he gave him sight. He used Paul. And if God can use a horrific Christian killer, he can use any one of us. He can use us despite our shame, despite our failures, despite our our struggles, despite our weakness. And in fact, that's when God uses us the most. When we can find out we're weak, when we can find out we don't have what it takes, the risen Christ comes in and says, I will empower you not only to believe but to be on mission. And the last thing that I think Paul is showing us that we need to resist here is is the pride in our own performance. Let's read verse 10. Count how many times you see the word grace. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. So by the grace of God, I'm saved and I'm an apostle. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Uh-oh, sounds like Paul's getting prideful. I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Resist the pride and performance. Work hard. Work really hard for the gospel blood, sweat, tears, give it all for the gospel. Jesus didn't say it would be easy. The way is hard, but it's by the grace that saved you that you work hard and you work harder than anyone else. That's what Paul is showing us here. If we want to find the gospel, we first got to give up that it's something in us. It's not our work. It's not my effort. It's not my preaching. It's not my family worship. It's not anything I do. That will lead to the gospel spreading in this church or my family in Harrisburg, or anywhere. It's nothing that we do. If we see any success, it's because God has empowered us by his grace to do it all. And so Paul says, whether then it was I or they, whether it's the least of these or the greatest apostle, whether it's me or Peter or the big 12, so we preach and so you believed. And I hope and pray this morning that you either believe or will be brought to belief. I pray that the Lord is drawing some of you to come to him now in faith. As we finish, uh, I said we need a fresh taste of the sweet truths of the gospel. I hope that God has given you a fresh taste this morning. I hope, like you go back to Easter dessert for a second or third time, that you'll go back to God's word this week for a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth time to enjoy the sweet, savory taste of the gospel for your soul. Uh, As our soul thirsts, God fills us. As our soul hungers, the gospel is the bread of life that feeds us. We don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I want to answer just one question that maybe some of you are thinking. What point does the resurrection have in my life this week? What power, what point, what's the the purpose of the resurrection? How does it impact me in my everyday life? And I got three ways. Number one is that the resurrection gives us power to pursue holiness. The resurrection gives us power to pursue holiness. Colossians chapter 3, 1 through 2, if you have been raised with Christ, Set your mind on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Romans 8, 11, by the Spirit we put to death sin. If the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us, he will bring life to our mortal bodies. He will empower us to put sin to death. It is through the resurrection power of Christ that we can become more godly people. Whether you're struggling with drunkenness, pornography, anger, sexual sin, whatever it is, the resurrection power of Christ can free you from that bondage. The risen Christ, if you have been raised with him, you have the power to fight sin and become Christ-like. Number two, the the resurrection empowers our efforts to share the gospel sounds pretty obvious, but sometimes we forget that. We get timid. We get afraid to evangelize. We think it won't work. But Jesus says in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, I am with you until the end of the age. Go make disciples of all nations. But how can he do that? How can, how can a, a person that's rising to heaven, sitting on a throne, say, I'm with you till the end of the age? It's because he first rose from the dead. And the risen Christ sits on the throne Empowering our work through the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Christ dwells within us. So as we go forward, we sow, we water, but it's God who gives the growth. We can go forward and share the gospel knowing that if the success comes, it's because God gave the growth. And even if they don't respond, we couldn't have done or said anything better or different to give them life because it's not our job to save them. It's our job to lay this message out. So this week, Go forward, talk to your unsaved friends about the gospel because it is empowered. That that sharing is empowered by Christ. It is empowered by the Spirit. It is the power of God unto salvation. And then lastly, the resurrection gives us a hope in a living God and Savior who is still alive and still at work. It can be easy to feel like God is so far away. God, in my struggles, where are you? All this week, I'm laying awake in the middle of the night. God, where are you in this insomnia? Some of you have had very, very difficult life circumstances. God, where are you? I got good news. Our risen Savior sympathizes with our weaknesses. He is sitting at the right hand of God, interceding on our behalf this very moment. Jesus is interceding for you because he is alive. He's not laying dead in a grave somewhere. He is sitting at the right hand of his Father. That should give you hope today to keep on pressing. You're not alone. You're not fighting this battle by yourself. Jesus has not left you or forsaken you. He is right here with you. Jesus is alive today, church. I pray that this word has encouraged you, that it has stirred up your heart the way it has stirred up mine all this week and even this morning. Let's celebrate our risen Savior. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, no greater love do we have than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Father, you, in your great love, you so love the world that you sent your only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. No man can pay the ransom for another man's sin because he has his own weight to pay for. Yet, God, you in your love sent your son to make ransom for us. And then, as he said, I lay my life down that I may take it up again. God, you raised Jesus from the dead so that we could be in relationship with you, that we could live forever, so that we could be raised to eternal life, eternal joy, eternal hope, eternal peace, eternal fellowship with you, God. I pray that we believe this message not only to be saved, but also to press on in our faith so that we will not have believed in vain. Thank you for your grace, oh God. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.